On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. This is Tall Can Audio, Canada's number one craft beer-fueled sports show. Here's your hosts, Rob Christie and Matt Robinson. Off we go again, episode 957 of Tall Can Audio. As the good woman said, my name is Matt, his name's Rob. What are you saying today, man? Top notch, glad to be back in studio. Really, for many reasons, but chief among them was to sample a little of the Vimy Stout right out of the keg Yep, in the green room. It's nice to see you too, Matt. Mm-hmm. All that sort of stuff. Um, I'm laboring a bit today. Okay. Laboring a bit today. It's it's spring. Spring has sprung. Um, doing yard work. So oh, raking. Um, we have some guys coming to do a little treatment to the front because it looks like a sore asshole, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but I decided I was going to turn over a bunch of soil to even it out before somebody comes. And uh, then I wanted to aerate it by hand. I have a little tool from Lee Valley. You ever taken the uh, your dad to Lee Valley? Oh, yeah. Dad um, knows all about uh, Lee Valley. I was just going to say, the tool and equipment store. I'm pretty sure... He comes to this area more for Lee Valley yeah. than, uh, than to visit his kids. So th- there was this implement, looks like a pitchfork and it has two little things that punch holes in the ground. You pull them out and it brings out the little, next time you push it into the ground, it fires out the little cylinders of dirt that you, so it aerates it. Right. Yeah. And so I must've fired that bad boy into the ground in my front yard 300 times yesterday. <laughs> I got blisters on my hands. And I woke up this morning and my back was sore and I thought, all right, every year there's a guy who comes through the neighborhood who has one of these air rating machines and he's like, Hey, 50 bucks, I'll do your, I'll do your front yard. And I'm like, my fucking front yard is like a pie shape. It's, you know, 50 bucks. Are you kidding me, man? You can, you can roll that up there three or four times. Not next year. So I did it myself. It took me probably an hour. Every six inches, bang, punching that in. And I thought, okay, an hour, 50 bucks, wake up with the bad back. Where's the rubber meet the road, Matt, in your opinion? On? Right at 50 bucks. That's about the right. Uh... Okay. So you're doing it for 50 bucks or you're saying, 
my grandfather would scowl at me if I said, hey, can Oh I my just God, pick? my grandfather, my father. Yeah. yeah no, okay. <laughs> All right. And we've but done- this is it. We've talked about this stuff, right? The, the lack of expertise versus the ability to now have somebody come do well, it. And yeah. it's not only the lack of expertise. I think this, the, this comes down to, do I want to do that? Right. Do I want to work outside on my front yard for an hour or two hours? Like it turns out by the time I turned the dirt- broke it up, leveled it out and aerated it. Mm -hmm. I was probably out there for three hours. Yep. And you're like, um, but I am still paying for someone to come and treat it, seed it, fertilize it, you know, lay down the, the weed killer. That's not really good weed killer, <laughs> but. We're not allowed the good shit up this here. Is, that's, what, that's what every lawn guy will tell you. Yep. I could treat this in the past, but the government won't let me. So anyways, I was just curious to see, am I alone? Am I like 50 bucks? I could do that for 50 bucks. What's wrong with you, you slack ass? It, uh, that's an entirely a personal thing, right? Where am I at on this? Am I, you know, I think more and more, if there's someone willing to, to come do it, people are willing to let them come do it. Lazy. Okay. And, and, and we'll see what you do next year. Well, no. Oh no, I'm, I'll do it next year. You'll Shit. do it or you'll pay for it. No, I'll do it. Yeah, okay. I'll do it. And, yeah. and and really it comes down to, there's a bunch of other reasons for that. Not just, you know, I could pay somebody to do it. It's not like I'm, I'm so hard up, but there's a bit of a shake your fist. And so I'm not sure if that's now. You well, kids get off my lawn so I, I, I can aerate it, right? it. I'm, I'm not <laughs> exactly <You're> like, <laughs> hey, there's some winter rot there. You know, that fucking grass looks dead. Anyways, uh, it's, so woke up. You know, all the way from the traps down to my belt buckle in the back, you're just sort of like a little sore, a little sore, but thanks for asking Matt and a happy Easter to you. How are you doing? Yeah, we're doing all right, man. Uh, I was thinking though, over the course of the weekend and, and I guess this is the only one every year that we do. I don't like Friday long weekends for Monday long weekends. Throws me off. Yeah. I, I have both. Okay. Yeah. You got the four day. You know, it's one of those government seat moisteners. We get uh, a, a full four day weekend and that's fine. But uh, it's, it goes back a long way, I think, man, because I think on most long weekends, everybody sort of gets used to, you know, you get where you're going or you're doing what you're doing. You're going to probably tear it up on Friday night, right? Heading into a long weekend and probably again on Saturday. And then whatever you got left in the tank on Sunday, cause you got Monday to recover. Whereas on Friday, like Thursday night is a weird you know, you don't really do anything and maybe you're doing a family thing on the Friday because of the occasion. I, I don't know. And then you just sort of have a, a weird day where nothing's open, nothing's on, nothing. It's, I don't know. There's just something about Friday long weekends that throw me. And I guess short of, you know, where Christmas and New Year's might fall each year. I guess Easter's probably the only Friday Come that on, we do man. it. The, the, the Thursday night should take you back to your college or university days. Everybody would do it up on a Thursday I night guess, because yeah. everybody would bail. Like you'd have half the people. Would but be that hitting. was happening whether you had Friday off or not. No, where I, I would... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So yeah. hey, it's Thursday night's as good a time as any to, to rip it up. But now that you're old and old and lame. Yeah. No. I, so I don't know. I, I just felt a little disoriented this weekend. That's all. Hey, Matt. Uh, yeah. What does the Easter bunny get? for each basket he makes. I don't know. Two points like everybody else, you douche. Oh. <laughs>
gross. Yes. <laughs> it's terrible. And I love it because it's it's like, oh, Matt made a goal. Or Matt made a basket in this case. Yes. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. Anyways, what do you get when you cross a rabbit oh, and we're, a shellfish? We're going to keep doing this, eh? Uh, I, I rabbit and a sh- I have no idea. Oyster bunny. Oh, my fucking God. That's pre-show beers right there, baby. Yeah. And, you know, carry on. What are you drinking? <laughs> uh, these are the beers. Be enough. Yeah. These, whatever it is, stop. Because <laughs> yeah. you've had enough to drink. Um, yes, this is uh, a couple weeks ago. I mentioned the, uh, the gifts from a good friend of the show, LSG. I'm drinking the Landscape as Language. Coffee stout from Dominion City coming in at 4.5%. I've already had a pull on it. I'm not getting a pile of coffee, but it is creamy and smooth. It's it's very drinkable. Over to you, Matt. Yeah. Also from, uh, from I'm the one taking the blasts here though on Twitter from, from LSG. And these, these beers come with demands, right? I, yeah. The, well, topics and things yeah. that you should discuss nope. over the uh, Sorry about that. Caulfield's Corner or whatever the hell we're doing here. Gallagher's uh, Garbage. I, I started to agree with him last night. Maybe we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so this is uh, the Rapport Red. And uh, I think he knows I'm into a good red, obviously into a good stout, obviously into a good, anything that's good, really, I'm probably <laughs> going to have time beer. for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I've never had this one before. I've had a few things from uh, from Dominion, but never this one before. And it instantly, when you p- take a sip on it, it's a red. It's it's coming at you hard with that, which I like, right? As we've talked about a hundred times on here before. Uh, it's got that strong kind of red, almost caramely, mm-hmm. w- whatever to it. So and malty a bit. Yeah. And so uh, digging that a lot. Um, so shout out to him. Thanks a lot. We did hit your Habs talk last week. Maybe some more later on in the show. We'll see. But don't get pushy on there. Probably not. Every Saturday, every Sunday, I start getting the tweets like, hey, we getting a little Caulfield talk. Hey, we getting a little, like, no, probably not. <laughs> no. Is any, any rookie of the year buzz for Caulfield? No, none. None. So. No coach of the year, no Jack Adams talk for uh, San Luis. Right. So uh, we'll get into some hockey stuff a little later on. Uh, why don't we start with some baseball? Uh, as we sit here right now on Sunday, the G- Jays have taken one and lost one uh, from Oakland thus far and are up 3 uh, on uh, in their Sunday game after a split in New York. Um, a bunch of places we can take this. We'll obviously just sort of react to the week. But before we do, as we sit here right now, Vladdy Guerrero has five home runs. Jordan Romano has five saves. Whose total will be higher in those statistics at the end of the year? Guerrero. Okay. I, it's a great question. Yeah. And. Because uh, if this is going to be a 90 some odd win team, there's lots of save opportunities out there. Yeah. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I, and I, um, to me, I think I'd be disappointed at this point if Vladi doesn't hit 50. Whew. High standards. Yeah. But think about it. Six. That's eight homers a month. Yep. I think you're going to see Finished him. 48 last year. Yeah. I think you're going to see, you're going to see a stretch where he's got more than eight in a, in a, in a month. Like, uh, I think you're going to see him getting fucking walked a pile yeah. of times while Tioscar's out here. So. Yeah. Well, and this is it, right? If, if people stop pitching to him. Yeah. Um, Which I would. 
Yeah, well, and and as long as and as you say, it's funny when you take Tay Oscar out, and and you know Bichette is is fine. He hasn't really. Yeah, he's struggling early, but he'll be fine. Yeah, and and up until this weekend, Chapman has kind of been mm-hmm. meh. Kirk is below two hundred, right? He's hitting down there below the Mendoza line. Oh, hitting! And, I thought you meant his weight. <laughs> oh no. Yes. Yeah, no. Well over. But he is only 5'6", or whatever yeah, exactly. he is, right? So the two bills <laughs> is is not nothing to look at. Right. Um, but yeah, the lineup has sort of gone a bit, it could be a bit pedestrian, it's right? shortened up a little. Well, and when you start running out guys like Zimmer and Henneman, and you're like, who the fuck are these guys? Yeah. Seeing a lot of Tapia here early. Yeah. That Saturday, they gave Springer and, and the day off, and you're like, oh my goodness. I'm That's... thinking about doing my hair like Tapia. You should, man. That's be a good look for you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a good look for anybody, <laughs> including you, Tapia. Yeah. Whatever you're doing, get rid of it. Psh, gone. Um, so that's a very interesting question. Um, I would like it to be Romano. Yeah. But. R- Romano's uh, only last year got to 23. Now, as I talked, or we talked about before, I think last year it took a while for whatever reason for Charlie kind of forgot he existed there early in the right. season. Um, now oftentimes before they got to the ninth, the bullpen had already blown it. Uh, and so that took away some save opportunities right. as well. Uh, I think he's going to have a lot more chances so far, he looks confident. Um, and when he comes out, like he, you just kind of feel like, all right, like we're going to be all right here, right? And he's kind of got that vibe. And and so, yeah, to to have gotten five already, he's now the uh, consecutive save leader, twenty fifth or whatever it is, consecutive. Yeah, takes over from uh, from Tom Hankey from uh, back in ninety two. So you know, it's been um, a good a good run for him. I I think you're probably right. The days of seeing. 50 save guys are sort of over because, you know, we, we pay attention to innings now and, you know, we don't use guys quite as often, maybe not on a back to back or not, certainly not three or whatever it might be. I think there's going to be opportunities here where he doesn't get the chance to, to do it. Like maybe he would have in the day, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's up right around 40 anyway. For sure. Yeah, for sure. But you see Vladdy as a more than 40 home run. Yes, guy. I do. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's interesting. I was reading the, um, in the Ottawa Citizen, I was reading Rob Longley's article late last week on, on Vladdy. And, and one of the things he touched on was, yeah, it would be a shame. Uh, It was released the same day he went four for four against the Yankees with three homers and a double. And he said, yeah, that people start to pitch around him. Yeah. Cause you're like, forget it. Let's take the bat out of this hand and this guy's hand and, and to me, that I'm not sure if I've seen a better Blue Jay hitting performance in my like 40 years of watching Blue Jay baseball than I did that night, right? Mid last week when he when he did that, and and the next day the New York Post had who's your Vladdy, right? As as the as the headline, and when they're making a big deal out of. Uh... Garrett Cole had turned and tipped his cap to him in the game. And they asked him after the game, what'd you do? He's like, well, did you see what he did? <laughs> did you watch the game? Like, yeah. yeah um, he goes, if you were wearing a hat, you <laughs> should tip it too. Right. So, And it was Aaron Judge also saying, he's like, unbelievable. Unbelievable. He goes, I'd rather be watching it on TV than watching it live against us. Well, you'll have that chance when New York comes up here in a week or two. 
and you're stuck back at home. There Aaron you go. Judge, so. There you go. And, and to me, those, I, I get it. We have the, the Mark Witten four home run game and, and that kind of thing. Well, Carlos Delgado has a four home run game that I don't know why, but it's always stood out to me. I, I can remember where I was um, and, you know, just him smash. It was like, oh, one or oh, two or something like that's that. That's why, that's, that's why the rest of us forget it. Yeah, it was a fair, fairly long time ago. Or And it's just a black period. Yeah, no, it's not like the team was any good, but he went off for four home runs. And again, it's just funny the things you remember. It's Rod Black calling the game, um, and he's doing his voice crack thing on the third and fourth ones that he's kind of known for. Two strikes. Yeah, so... But other than that, yeah, like certainly in my lifetime, you know, three home runs and a double on a mangled finger after some guy had Stepped stomped on it. on it coming down the baseline. Yeah, it's a pretty good performance. Well, and and to me, it's there's a lot made of it, but of the four hits, that double to right field, mm-hmm. probably the best bit of hitting of of the four, right? right? The, the ability, now he's got to already be in double digits in hits to the opposite field. Right, like to me, he's just killing it. Yeah, he just if you're if you're not going to give me anything to hit, I'll just kind of wait and smack it out and take a single. And it's unbelievable. Yeah. So now he followed that up with a four strikeout night. Sure. So if there was any, we won't talk about that one quite as long. If there was any <laughs> illusions of taking the bat out of his hand, right? They may have slipped to the backside there, but um, pretty incredible, pretty incredible what he's got going. We did see um, coming through. Second time through the uh, the rotation, Barrios much closer to what you'd expect out of him. Gosman fine again. Oh, he looked really good. Yeah, and uh, had that splitter going better than he did the first time around. And that's really all his mix is: it's that high fastball and the low splitter. And the the difference between them is just so devastating. You can usually get by like fifteen miles an hour difference. And just the way it dives to yeah. that splitter, right? Like everything about it. Uh, Arden Swelling wrote an interesting piece on Sportsnet, which we'll share uh, in all the usual places about how it like tears his finger apart every single time out. Like his fingernails breaking apart and he's bleeding all over the place. And then he usually won't throw a side session on his day off because the fingernail still hasn't healed. And he goes, my pitching coaches are just going to have to understand it, right? Like I can't do that because this is what that pitch does to me every time. And if you want me to be good to go every fifth day, I can't pitch on that third day, right? Like that's sort of the way it works. So uh, an interesting guy. The one that didn't look a whole lot better than he did the first time around is Yunjin Ryu. Um, and he kind of had an inning or two. I guess just the first inning he got through kind of cruising. But his fastball, which we've talked about before, which is never a ton of heat on it, it kind of sits at around 91, was down closer to 88. And when that's happening, there's not anywhere near enough difference between that and his breaking pitches. And he got smacked around again. Uh, the Blue Jays came back to tie it up, the, the damage he'd done, 5-5, before blowing it late. But he is now going uh, for an MRI, almost certainly will end up on the IL with forearm tightness. I, even before they got to him, I understand they're playing a lot of games here early, but I was annoyed that Stripling was being put in there, not because he can't do it, because I do think he can, and he will be a valuable piece in the rotation throughout the season. But I'm like, I don't want to keep pushing Manoa back. Right. An extra day just because Ryu can't go, Correct. right? Like that's where, if we're going to keep doing this, it we're going to keep skipping you and you'll get in when you get in, right? The rotation right. just won't stay in the same order. I don't want to keep pushing the other guys back as well. 
uh, it looks like now moving forward, that's not going to be as much of an issue uh, if Ryu's going to spend time on the IL. But yeah, it doesn't look good for him again early, early on this season. When you are a control pitcher and you're not bringing the heat, right, that it's, it's, it's terrible. Like they showed that uh, Sean Murphy home run on Saturday. Yeah. They were like, if you were throwing a pitch to try and like split the, split the strike zone right. in four equal quadrants, <laughs> you couldn't have done a better job. And it comes in at 87 or 88. You're like, yeah. that's a BP fastball. That's a guy that you're bringing to the home run derby to help you. <laughs> yeah, that's your dad. Yeah. That's your dad your who was your little coach. coach whatever, yeah. Who's just going to crush it. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. Terrible. And he's only got another year after this at 20 mil. So, um, well, and it's fine. Like, I think he came in going, if he's going to be your like number four now, you can live with that, but you can't live with him going out and getting crushed every five days. And, and so we'll see what this is going to look like, uh, down the road. You know, we'll see how long he might be out or whatever, but yeah, that's a concern. Like everything else is it's, it's too early to worry. It's too early to get too excited. These sorts of things, except here where, it's even the process isn't there, right? Like you, you, if the process is okay and the results aren't there, you just kind of shrug it off and go, it's a long season. The process sucks right now. Like he just doesn't bring anything he's supposed to bring. Well, and, and the thing is you look at it and after the, the, the first outing with Barrios and you look at the first outing with Gaussman, which was just fine. Right. Yeah. Um, Kikuchi, like there was a bunch of stuff that you're like, uh, uh, well, Kikuchi got hit hard, but the home run he gave up is not a home run anywhere else in baseball, except on that short porch in Yankee Stadium. Yeah, and all I'm saying is, I, I feel like that's yeah, early. It's early. Yeah. But because of the second half that Ryu yeah. had last year, yeah. he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt where you go, that's the same shit you were pitching since like July of last year. Yeah. No, for sure. And we saw it a bit with um, with Danny Jansen, who was getting a bit more benefit of the doubt because he finished last year hot, started hot again. Then comes up with an oblique injury. He's going to miss a good month. And now you're, oh my God, maybe we shouldn't have traded Reese McGuire. McGuire. Yeah, who knew? <laughs> Wishing you still had that hanging around. Now all of a sudden, uh, on Friday and Saturday, Zach Collins has decided I'm a hitter now and I'll be fine. And uh, we'll see what's going to happen with Kirk. We're going to be without him for at least a month. There's some talk maybe T. Oscars isn't as bad, but it's early to say. Like the oblique. It's a rough one on the swings, right? Like you, it's right. That it's can hamper you all year. Baseball, yeah. Right. So, so we'll see. Uh, anything else on the Jays, man? Uh, I'll be interested to see at the end of this day. You know what? What? What the um, the second outing for Manoa looks like. But if you look at that guy, uh, to me, he's been exciting, right? Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but the season he put down as a as a rookie last year, you're like, mm, okay. You know, where do I keep my expectations on this guy? Mm-hmm. You know, is that, is there going to be a sophomore slump? Is there going to be a, but his shit is nasty and, and he looks like he could be a dominant, dominant pitcher. Right. So, yep. um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested to see what that looks like at the end of it. But so far uh, to me that the, there's been a couple of, of raisins in the oatmeal that is the beginning of this J season, <laughs> like a, for all the, the lofty expectations. And it's just, it's super early, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just sort of, I, I'm waiting to see a bunch of things get put together. And, and, and again, when you look at after this A's series, 
they go, I believe it's Boston, Houston, Boston, Houston, New York. Yep. 16 straight taking you out to the, almost the middle of May. Um, if they can, if they can end that streak, you know, you're six weeks or five or so into the season. And if they can be a couple above 500, you know, three or four, they'll be in really good shape, right? Like the, to me, that's, that's what I'm really looking for, you know, sort of come around uh, Victoria Day long weekend, see where this team is at. I'm willing to, as long as they don't get too far behind because they, they don't really have a pile of time short of this A's stretch. Now the A's, again, to me, they are that classic team. They were, they're five and four coming into Sunday. They have the, the look of that team that's going to have a nice April and then shit the bed the oh, rest yeah. of the season. No, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> no, no, I'm not worried about them. It's just, it's one of those things where like last year when the twins shit the bed for the whole season and then we didn't see them until the end and they were, and they were getting good. It's, it's when you play teams and you go, yep. hots, hots. So. Well, as you mentioned just before we fired up the mics, Oakland took three of four from Tampa and you're kind of like, well, thank you for that. And now if you could just settle down a little as, yeah. you, as you roll in here. Yeah. So I, I just, I'm willing to give them to middle of May, 23rd of May, like in that stretch. And, and we'll see. And if they can be three or four above and start to get their shit into a groove, I'll be, I'll be happy. But I, I, I have to, I try to preach patience to myself. Yeah, when Dan Schulman was on before the season started, he sort of kind of looked at this same stretch coming out of, um, you know, the, these upcoming series where, yeah, you're going to play nothing but Boston, New York, and Houston, um, and said the same thing. He was a little more forgiving than you. Just said, be around 500. And you'll be fine after that. Just be around 500. You're calling for three or four over. That's that's your prerogative. You're a you're a lofty fellow calling out for big things from this team. But I think that's legit because then you're going to get to go out and you're going to get to. What's up, Baltimore? Right, like looking forward to seeing you, baby. <laughs> Lots. Uh, yeah, um, and and all the shipbirds will still be kicking around, and you'll have put away a large percentage of your games uh, against the teams that you're going to have to, you know, do well against. But you're right; it's not even just that you might fall fall behind here a little bit. It's that who you would be falling behind, like who you're giving those wins to, is yep. just as problematic as you not getting wins. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting stretch here coming down. Uh, the next few weeks and, and it's not going to be easy. So yeah, you're going to have to find your shit quick. Well, and beyond Toronto, Boston, Houston, and New York, uh, the race, yeah. is there any other team in the, in the American league that you're looking at? Like, I don't know, like the White Sox, like who else are you looking at? The White Sox should be good. We'll see what Seattle is going to, you know, they're, they're hoping to, to have made enough moves here with, and have some young pieces that, that maybe. But beyond that, no, not really. But yeah, yeah, I do expect the White Sox to be very good. Yeah. So really we're, we're seeing the beasts of the American league yeah. on, on steady rotation for the next, for the first six weeks of the season. So yeah, I, I would expect for a team that, that has the lofty expectations that Toronto has, that you would be above 500. I'm not sure against good teams. Everybody's facing the same thing, right? Early season, not quite ready. So if this team is legit, I would expect them to be three or four above. The only difference being you're facing them all right in a row. <laughs> New York's facing you, and then maybe they're going off to smash somebody else. And then Houston's facing you, and they're going off to, whereas you're just stuck in the, right in the thick of it. You so. should be dialed in then. Okay. Well, we'll see what that looks like. Be better. Uh, a week ago, I asked you 
for your thoughts on uh, on Sean Manaya of the Padres being pulled with a no hitter going, I believe after seven, he'd thrown 88 pitches at the time and the Padres decided it's early. We don't want you going any deeper than this. Uh, we're going to pull you. And, and we both sort of agreed, eh, you know, you might've given him another inning. You said, I think, Yep. but really I get it. It's, it's early. You didn't get a full spring training. Uh, we don't need you blowing your arm out when we got big expectations here this year. This week, we saw Clayton Kershaw, I believe also had finished seven innings. Yep. But instead of having a no-hitter going, he has a perfect game going. And he's only at 80 pitches instead of 88. And Dave Roberts, manager of the uh, of the Dodgers, tells him, thanks, we're going to send it to the pen, and uh, and you're done here. Like I said, with this perfect game going. Now, Kershaw doesn't... I believe that like it happens in the dugout. It's not out on the mound. He's not, you know, given the hook the way you sometimes see, but he doesn't appear to freak out. He doesn't really appear to have much of anything to say, but that is not the way the rest of the sports world reacted during the game. All your reporters had an opinion. Uh, obviously all of Twitter had an opinion before the game had ended and we got a chance to hear what Dave Roberts and what Clayton Kershaw had had to say. What do you think of, do you feel any different about a perfect game versus a no hitter given the circumstances that we are still in here in the second week of the season? I don't feel any different. And, and I understand that there is a difference between the perfect game and the, and the no hitter, right? In terms of no hitters seem to be like last year was there like. They seem to happen all the time now. Right. Whereas in the history of baseball, we've played over 220,000 games. There have been 23 perfect games. So they don't come around every day. Right. But at the end of the day, you are talking about Kershaw and a guy who's had shoulder problems. He's not young. He is not young. That's Um, a nice way to put that. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, whether he believes it or not, when he, when he was trotted out to the media and he talked about, um, those are selfish personal records, right? We're here for team success, whatever. Whether you think that he believes that or not. Um, that is what you say. Yeah. Be a good teammate. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, the Dodgers are, and he's a, a, a veteran, veteran guy who is, who's looking to win world series championships. Yeah. And, and I think at the end of the day, whether he would have liked to have gone for it at the time, I think he wants another world series. Yeah. More than he wants a perfect game. Yeah, I I think that's right. And that was sort of my takeaway as well, that you sort of, you can get all jumping up and down about it. He's never going to get another opportunity. Look at his, you know, the the point was being made, look at his age, as in look how few more opportunities he's going to have, as opposed to look at his age, his arm might fall the fuck off. Like very easily. He's battled shoulder problems before. And yeah, they, the, the Dodgers, they got their eyes on bigger shit than, than a perfect game. And so. You know, I assume even with the age, even with the injury history, if we're in July and he's ramped up to 105, 110, they're not pulling him after seven innings. Will he get all the way there? We don't know, but they will let him go and try. But I think at this point, when nobody is fully ramped up, I don't think it was that crazy to, to have gone and done this. Now, it was interesting to see that there's only been one other time 
that a pitcher has been pulled during a uh, a perfect game, and it was also by Dave Roberts. So yeah, back in uh, like twenty seventeen or yeah, sixteen. exactly. So um, that was not handled quite as well. It was either. not, but it is isn't Like he seems to be. Yeah, I don't really give a shit about the team. So like, there are times to care about doing this for your player, and there are times to go. No, we got we got bigger things to. F- worry about here. Yeah. And, and again, we only know what Kershaw, what we saw in the dugout yep. because we didn't even hear it, but there wasn't any throwing of the glove. Nope. There was. He's not yelling at him. You know, when he went down the line and he shook hands with some of the guys in the dugout and, and it, he looked like, yeah, all right, man, finish it off. They're up seven zip. Yep. And, and so I can only take him at his word and well, I can. Had it been a double header. Would have been a perfect game. Yeah. With an we could have that. Yeah, exactly. We talked about that last season, right? Do, the, do no hitters and perfect games count in but seven inning double headers? Everything else is just douchebags on Twitter. Yep. Who are saying. But half of them are sports reporters. Yep. Which, like, hey, what's the difference these days in a lot of places, <laughs> right? Um, people, we've seemed to have lost a lot of big picture reporting, right? Yep. It's yep. very much forest for the trees situation in a lot of. And yeah. Uh, do you want to see it? Yeah. Do I want to see that, you know, only the 23rd or 24th right. guy? Sure. Yep. But at the end of the day, what does that guy want? And what are his big picture goals? And what does April 13th matter when it comes to November 2nd? So to me, you don't blow it out now. W- would I, as uh, with the fence pole straight up my ass, <laughs> would I rather see him pitch one more inning? Sure. At 80, you're probably pushing it. Right. Yep. To stretch it out to go 95. So really it's, you're not going to let that guy go 115, 120 pitches. Yeah. If you're not sending him out for the full rest of the thing, don't send him out for the eighth either. Right. Okay. Fine. We can talk about that. Yeah. Uh, now if he goes out and, and he gets three, three ground balls in yep. six pitches. Yep. Right. Good, good to go. But, but. Then you're at 86 and you're looking at, okay, do I send him out for the ninth and really push it? Yeah. But it's, you're not letting that guy pitch 110 plus pitches in the middle of April on a short spring training, on a already damaged shoulder at 38 years old or whatever he is. Yeah. It's just, to me, it's everybody else is, I want to see, this is what baseball sucks. This is Baba. It's a bunch of selfish people. Man, let that guy do his bit. Did you see, and I don't know that, I don't have the full circumstances in front of me in terms of what the score was, but Joel Madden this weekend as well, intentionally walked in or had his pitcher intentionally walk someone with the bases loaded. Uh, it was uh Seager with, uh, with Texas. Didn't want to let him hit with the bases loaded. That's dumb. That's Well, again, it depends on what the score is and yeah, the time yeah. in the game and all, but these are the sorts of discussions that we talked about last week with over Sean Manaya. Things that are disappearing from the game. You just trust the numbers. I would rather give up one now than the 40% chance or whatever it might be that I give up too, right? And so you start to wonder, okay, what am I watching now, right? Am I watching a guy with a calculator? Of course you are. And I, I am, and I've supported that to an extent with the Leafs, right? In terms of how you put your team together. I'm not sure I want to see Sheldon Keefe on the bench, with a calculator, right? Hey, everybody but, else is looking at the laptop or the iPad. Yeah, so no, it's true. Why not Sheldon? But as you kind of go through this, it's not that different. There was a time when you would have let Kershaw, he's got a perfect game going. You'd never yep. pull that guy. What a of slap in the face, right? Disrespect. Yep. I just, it is interesting to see the things that were, as we grow to understand better, 
the likelihoods of what could happen here or the increased chances of injury or the innings that we may need you to pitch later, you know, you do lose a little something. And I sort of understand the, like Barry Bonds is the last guy that was getting walked with the bases loaded, not Corey Seager, right? Like who is a very good player, but he's not Barry Bonds. Right. But you just kind of go, all right, like... I get, I understand the odds you're playing here. I get the math that you've done, but that kind of sucked. I, I didn't love watching that as a sports fan. I want to see, and Jake Arietta was all over on Twitter, right? As an active MLB or going, you've, all you just told me as a pitcher is you don't trust me. Like, what are we even doing here? Yeah. you just willingly gave up a run. Like, what is it we're playing? What are we doing? Well, if, if in here in 2022, if we were to write a book on uh, an autobiography of baseball, it would be the subtitle would be the shift. Yeah. Right. You're, you're just totally taking the numbers. I don't think you're going to hit it over there. And yeah. if you do tip of the clap, right? Chris, there was a, there was a guy, I don't know who it was for the A's on Saturday. You had Chapman at second base, like right behind second base. You had nobody yep. on the left side of the diamond. Yeah. And you're I like, just don't think he's going to hit it there. I will play the 70 to 80% chance. I think you're going to hit it on this side and all my defenders will be over there. So that is the, that is the huge symbol of, of, of baseball at the moment, right? Numbers and go, yeah, all right. There's a, there's a one in four chance or one in five chance that you were going to make a mistake. You were going to push a bunt up the line, whatever. Yep. But I'm pretty sure you're not. Yeah. And so I'm going to put four guys in the outfield and I'm going to. We're going to stop it. So that is the way it's gone. And so you have taken that sort of, you know, your Jack Morris type guy, right? Who's yep. got the, you know, scowl and the rubber arm and you're just going to send him out there to 10 innings in a World Series game, <laughs> right? That would never happen You'll never now. see it again, no. Right? So you might as well put that in the same category as a bunch of other things. So before we go any further, uh, there is something here I want to try. This comes to us, uh, or comes recommended to us, uh, by several people who were writing in over the last several months, uh, but chiefly and most frequently, Rosie in Chicago. This is... Uh, ha- a whole lot of Rosie! She didn't happen to give her uh, her dimensions, but... Uh, <laughs> or his, I guess I can't jump to any... Uh, I assume it's a her, but don't know. Uh, this is... Something that uh, is now tied into the UFC, but it was available in the uh, the US for for quite a while before it finally made its way up here. And uh, I guess through the pandemic. Now, this might be one of those stories that gets told for marketing purposes, but apparently this is a, a company that started up through the pandemic. Dana fell in love with it. Dana White, their president of the UFC. And uh, they have now struck a deal to, uh, you know, have a presence, be a sponsor, um, they'll have merch and stuff at a lot of these UFC fights. This is Howler Heads banana infused bourbon. And you said just before we turn the mic on, hey, this smells like, uh, would you say gasoline with a banana in it or turpentine with a banana in it or antifreeze with yes. a banana smushed into it. So you got the banana part, okay. if nothing else. Um, I have tried this once, uh, got this, so what, anyway, the point is, I guess, after all of that was, it's now in the LCBO here in Ontario. So if you are a, uh, a bourbon type, uh, maybe this would be for you, uh, got this a couple of weeks ago, took it over and let our buddy Ty try it. He's a, a whiskey guy. I know you certainly are a whiskey guy more than I am. I am not at all. Uh, so I have tried this once 
um, did not care for it, but in the, uh, in the interest of teamwork, I'm going to, I'm going to always giving eh? you're always giving. Yeah. Well, yep. and what is the ABVs on this? 40 proof. It's 40 proof. Yeah. Do I have like a, a cup worth in here? You got about half a, maybe more than you need, but. Okay. I'm like, okay. It looks I, like, I did give a little bit too much on the pour, but that's all right, man. It's all right. Yeah. If I, you don't like it, you won't finish it. I, mm. I to, I'll, you know, I'll clean my silverware with it. <laughs> well, see in bourbon, can I take a pull on this now? We, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So to me, bourbon is, yeah, it's, I'm not a, I'm, I'm not tra- <laughs> I haven't even sipped yet. I was just okay. getting a big whiff of I, I it. I am as not I... traditionally a bourbon guy. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, here, I'll give this a pull and we'll, we'll see how it shakes loose. All right. Yeah. This, uh, as people know, I am not, um, maybe people don't, I am not a whiskey guy, a bourbon guy. I don't know anything about this shit at all. And it just, it makes me, me cringe. Like I said, I didn't even get a, a sip of it there. And as I'm pulling it to my mouth, I'm like, oh my God. Wow. Super smooth. It is. Oh. Yeah. See, and, and, and really with any of these things, oh you're my supposed God. to pull it in and let it rest on the tongue. I understand, but <laughs> it's an abrupt. I can't wait to get it out of my yeah, face exactly. as fast as I can. It's right. not resting on shit. <laughs> or maybe it has been resting on shit. Um, it's a little sweet for me. I like my, I like my whiskey to reach down and grab you right where you live and give you a house you go. This is a little sweet. It kind of, kind of gives me a bit of a fireball feel. Yeah, there is some of that for sure. Now, what is the the difference between bourbon and whiskey? And I think it's just like it's a Southern U.S. thing. Yeah, there's there's your, you know, you're. And again, I am not a big bourbon guy, so there's all kinds of you know, Maker's Mark is is sort of your your. Your general, you know, your wild turkey, those sorts of things. Uh, moving away from your Jack Daniels, your sour mash kind of stuff. But I think, I think traditionally, and again, I, I, it's, I'm out of my depths on bourbon, but it's the grain that's used, right? And so yeah. to me, I'm not sure if, if bourbon is not traditionally potato based or, but it's, it's, it's along that, whereas rye whiskey is obviously the main ingredient is rye. And that's just back in the day, that's just what we called whiskey here in Canada, wasn't it? Right. Exactly. It's a so rye. I, yeah. I used to get confused. I don't know. I, I, I had, uh, like a, a grandparent or a great grandparent or whatever, who'd always look, be looking for a rye and Coke. Yeah. And, um, you know, as I grew up later on and you're starting to experiment and try shit, I didn't know that that's different than whiskey, right? Yeah. Like I, I, what do I know? <laughs> I'm just starting out on this road and. Um, yeah, anyway, I knew bourbon was more of a Southern thing, like even like a Kentucky yeah. bourbon and, um, anyway, this is interesting. It's just, uh, the banana infused thing was intriguing to me. And every now and then people send along these tips or ideas. We, we had the pink Whitney in here. We, uh, we, oh, true, we did. yeah, we did the, uh, the Nanaimo bar whiskey. So, uh, oh, uh or was, cream I, more than whiskey, I guess it was, but right, it was. I like, looked for that this Christmas and couldn't find it. Really? Eh? We found it again. Okay. When I got home, my parents, God love them, had, uh, had stocked up. And actually this here, this weekend, man, I got a bouquet delivered from, uh, from my mom, but it was a bouquet of chocolate, like nicely wrapped, like a bouquet of flowers would be, uh, in a vase. And then like just 
displayed nicely and some of it's strung up on sticks and like, so it would sp- like spray out kind of thing. Gorgeous little bouquet of chocolate. Your mom is good people. She eh? is a peach, eh? Honestly. And in, in high school, I used to love a, usually an Alberta premium, but I was a Ryan ginger guy. Okay. Rye in the shadow of a ginger ale bottle is really was the best. <laughs> you know, not quite rye hold the ginger, but yeah, a good 50-50 mix. That'll leave you either scrapping or barfing at the end of the night, one of the two. Not much <laughs> or, else. Or both. Yeah. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> Dance cards full. So while we're sipping away on this, I, I, I saw this kind of list and I wanted to hit you with it. And it was more a debate that I wanted to, or, or, uh, you know, I want to see what you think has the most likelihood of being broken. Cause for a long time, we're talking about the NHL here for a long time, Gretzky's 972, 974 all time goals. 984 was unthinkable. Like no one's ever going to touch that, right? And you would sit down and you do the math. You're like, somebody's going to have to score 50 goals for like 18 straight years. Oh, it's under 900. Sorry. It's eight. It is 894 or something like that. Um, And here we are, Ovechkin on the verge of another 50 goal season. From here, he can go 40, 30, 30, 20 and be right there. So, you know, we'll see. We talked earlier about kind of the fun coming out of that race a little bit with the political uh, side of things as it intrudes into our sports world. Yeah. I wanted to hit you with a couple other hockey records here that seem equally unbreakable and just have you kind of list what's most or least likely to get broken. Uh, Glenn Hall has 502 consecutive starts and complete games in goal. Yeah. Uh, Wayne Gretzky has 2,802 career points and Ty Domi has 333 career fights. And we seem to be trending away from a place where that's, uh, out of those three, I mean, they all seem completely unreachable, but so did Gretzky's goals at one yeah. point and here we are. So yeah. what hits you first on that, that I, I'm, list? I'm putting Gretzky's point total at three. I think I'm with you there. And even there, if you do the math, someone has to go 140 20. points for 20 years. <laughs> I was going to say 29, 100 point seasons. Right. So however you want to get there is up to you, I guess. But yeah, uh, 140 points over 20 years. And right now, the only guy you could see being capable is McDavid. But we keep dinging him with these shortened seasons. He got hurt yeah. in his rookie year. And like, who knows where he'll be in his thirties. Like that was part of the thing with Ovechkin. Everyone knew during the, like no one cared in his twenties. Like you didn't talk about the Gretzky thing because you just assume at 32, 33, 34, he starts to tail off like everyone else. And all his big 50, 60, 40 goal seasons were killer, but no one predicted he would keep the pace. Right. And that's the, the part here with McDavid short of everything else that's worked against him. Can he keep doing that into 36, 37, 38, 39? But I'm with you. I think for some reason the points yeah. seems most reachable. Well, and, and I think that is because if you look at the other two, so clearly the Glenn Hall one, never, ever happening. happening. Like you, Goalies don't start on do a back-to-back back now. Ever. No. So <laughs> that for sure is one. And That's I'll, eight seasons worth of not missing a game yeah, as a goalie. I'll settle on the Domi one in the middle because fighting is, while still a part of the game, 
In way. theory, you could do it. Like yes. some asshole could come into the league and just start fucking with everybody. Yeah, but I, I get the feeling like they'd drum that guy in. <laughs> yeah, for sure they would, man. Or he'd play for the Leafs for a bit and then <laughs> get tossed. Kyle will never allow that. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a leaf of yesteryear. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, like maybe six years ago. Right there with Fraser McLaren on. Yeah, and uh, what's his name? Or Colton Orr. Orr. Yeah. Um, yeah. It it really it it comes down to three. I didn't realize Domi had that many oh, fights. That's well, and this is a heavy bottom glass, right? Yeah. So when I was looking into it, we're in a dark room. I'm like. It feels heavy. Right. And I can just see the liquid shimmering. There's a shit ton of liquid in here, but there is there isn't. <laughs> it really. was a manageable amount. Um but yeah, that's crazy. The five hundred and two. I think that's the <laughs> that's never happening. No. Right? Impossible. Like, like you don't get guys with one hundred. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's forget it. You get a guy who plays sixty games now. Yeah, I remember when Marty used to go like 70 yeah. out of 82 and I'd be like, that's insane. And win cups the same <laughs> yeah, year. Of course. Right? But it's, if you look at it now, they're like, oh, you, you need to have a 50-30 split yeah. or yeah. else you're burning your goalie out and <laughs> blah, blah. Like, it's, it's not a thing. It's not, all three of them, ridiculous. Yes. But if you look at the way scoring has, has trended up a bit and it has, I think over yep. the past couple of years, emphasis on on offense and speed and, and, you know, less, less hitting, less obstruction and all these sorts of things. Yeah. Points can come still way, way out there, but. And you did, and what might happen, right. In terms of rule changes that could affect scoring three points in a way that, or bigger nets. Like we've talked about that before, right? Like might we see that at some point we could see rules tweaked to increase offense. The NFL has done it. The NBA has done it. We, the NHL just glorifies defense more than the rest of them. And so we like to, to keep the score low for whatever reason that could influence scoring. You're never getting a goalie who's nope. going 500 games in a row again. No. Like that's just, didn't. It, it's, it, it might, seems like it should be outside the rules. You know what I mean? Like it's, it seems so impossible that like maybe you, we just can't envision someone who scores as well, better than Ovechkin or puts up more points than McDavid. But in theory, they could come along and threaten these records. There's just not a goalie that you'll ever see right. who's playing five and, games and, in a And row. the game is never going back to a spot where, where you fight that much. No, no. Right? Like there had to be seasons where Domi must have had to have 40, 50 fights. <laughs> Every night just heading out there. Yeah. Yeah. Punching and getting punched and whatever. Well, that's and the thing with like. that is, if you look at it, like, and I saw him live as a junior playing for the Peets. Mm-hmm. And it seems odd. You'd think, yeah, a guy had 300 and change fights in the NHL that he was going to be the toughest guy in junior. And he wasn't. Right. Like there'd be guys roll in on a Thursday night and pound them. <laughs> and, and you go, man, guy's got a, guy's got a head like a cinder block, <laughs> but you'd have to. Yeah. For all the, all the knuckles to the head that guy's taken. And that 333 doesn't even count the guy in the penalty box in Philly. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Plexiglass coming down on yeah. my head. Ah. Fuck karma. Beauty. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, I guess as we move forward out of that, the natural transition would be into talking about Mike Bossy, who passed away late last week. I believe it was on Friday. We found out uh, that that had happened, but that's a guy, as you talk about, you know, guy 
putting up monster numbers year after year after year who maybe would have been able to catch or at the time keep pace with Gretzky. Uh, you know, 50 goals, I think it was for nine straight years and was on pace to do it for a 10th or yeah. had done it 10 and was on pace for nope, 11. Nine on pace for 10. Uh, before he has his back injuries that eventually force him to retire. Uh, one of the most lethal goal scorers in NHL history. Uh, certainly you would have got to have seen him more than I did. Um, but man, hell of a player. Yeah. And, and, and I don't got a pile on this. He was one of the first sports autobiographies I read. Back in high school when I started to sort of trend in that, you know, I, I'm not really, I don't love reading, but I could read, you know, Gretzky's autobiography, Semenko's autobiography. <laughs> How does that make it in there? It's weird. I, yeah. Um, Dave Steves, Tomorrow Will Be Perfect. Um, but Mike Bossy was in there as well. And his humble beginnings growing up in Montreal, like didn't have a bedroom. Like his bed was in the living room in a corner or something, right? Like he would just... Humble, humble beginnings, right? But a guy who scored in four years of junior in Laval, 300 plus goals, <laughs> like obscene. You're like, I got to be averaging 80 goals a season. It's, it's to me, he is the guy, he finished his career because yeah, as you said, he scored 38 in his 10th season and 10th and final season. And you're like, man, that is um, you, I, I, I'm not, you'll never see that again. Talk about things we'll never see again. Nine straight, at, right out of the shoot, rookie, right. yeah. fifty goals, and then just keep rolling it. And he was a guy who, yeah, when, when we were, when I was, you know, we're talking 1979, 1980, on the mean streets of North Gloucester here in Ottawa. <laughs> um, not so mean street, but you know, a little Robbie Christie with a bowl cut running around out there playing street hockey. I didn't want to be Wayne Gretzky. I wanted to be, forget 99, I wanted to be 22. I wanted to be Mike Bossy. That to me was, he was the guy. So yeah, career cut short, too bad, but um It's yeah. interesting to hear that his strong personality, I guess, and it's not slander, it's just interesting. It's how competitive things were back then that I guess it was, it was a couple of ill-fated Canada Cups in the early 80s. That, uh, I think it was 84. 80, well, 81 for sure was when they got smashed. Smash, yeah. I think it's 84 though, where Larry Robinson has to call together the Oilers guys and the Islanders guys and go, Hey, we're trying to do something here because at that point the Islanders are still, they're now on the tail end, but they're still racking up cup wins. I don't think the, or the Oilers haven't yet gotten there first. 84, they would have been, they would have had two. 83, no, 84, 85. Yeah. And then 86, it's, it's, it's Montreal. Montreal, 87, 88. So maybe it was the 81 one, but that one seems early Uh, either way. In one of them, those two factions, right? The team is loaded with Islanders and Oilers and they're not particularly interested in chumming up. Yeah. And I guess like, even if it was the 84 one, Edmonton has just beaten the Islanders and the Isles assume we'll see you next year kind of thing, yeah. right? And then, so they're not getting along all that well. Go fuck and, your hat. And it's Larry Robinson who's got to pull them together and go, if you could leave that shit at the door yeah. so we could try and get some business done here. And that's how intense it was between those two teams as kind of that, that uh, you know, turning of the page from one dynasty to the next. But yeah, Mike Bossy, you'd never sit, like that team is was just, you don't really think about it that because it was such a good team like depth-wise. 
But man, between between Bossy and Trottier and Billy Smith and Denny Potvin, second best Potvin ever. Like it was a good team, man. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, the, but the, more stars maybe than I remember. Like, obviously, I wasn't hey, around. You're forgetting. You're forgetting Clark Gillies. I really am. Yes. <laughs> Hall of Famer, man. Yep. Yeah, it's it is. Um, and and in my young years, total bandwagon guy. Growing up in Ottawa, I was a Habs fan. Right. I loved Guy Lafleur. Loved Larry Robinson. Right. You know, the Marvelville miracle, right? <laughs> you know, you you have this, this is, it's unbelievable, right? And Ken Dryden, it, it's just, I was a huge Habs fan. They were winning. Yeah. And I was super young. Yeah. But I didn't want the winning to end. So, oh, of course. so when that, when that Habs dynasty l- bled right into the Islanders dynasty, yeah, I was full on, man. I was on that. And you're talking about Billy Smith. He's a... He's another guy from Perth, right? Yeah. Probably a Perth blue wing as a young guy. <laughs> um, but I love that. And so, yeah, as an absolute clear cut, front running, bandwagon jumping, 10 year old, I'm on, I'm on the, the Islanders bandwagon. And Mike Bossy was absolutely my guy. Right. And it's funny when you say that, you talk about the 87 Canada Cup and that, that was an, an, even split on that team, coached by Mike Keenan with Flyers and Oilers. 87, yeah. 87, no, a couple years yeah. Later, going, yes. And so to me, it was the same thing, right? They yeah. had this, those guys had played twice in, in cup finals, I believe. And yeah, you had to sort of, you had to reconcile that. So it's just interesting. Hockey history is, yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. But yeah, Mike Bossy, far t- career ended far too early and, and, and passed away far too young. Yeah, uh, if you go, it's, he's one of those cases similar to Lindros, where Lindros got to hang around and play a lot longer, but like the peak, at yeah. their peaks, absolutely lethal, right? And then the the total numbers aren't where when you look at those peaks you would expect them to be at the end, and it's just for Bossy's back just gave out on him, couldn't do it. So yeah, less than ten years, but more than five hundred goals. Right, you're like man, it's not bad. Eh? That's I understand that's good. <laughs> Uh, let's talk a little bit about, well, maybe we should stop on this for a second. Last week we had a bit of a debate over the, uh, the Austin Matthews 50 and 50 discussion. Yep. I don't think as far as responses go, it has ever been more lopsided in one direction than the other. People are not on your side here. Who gives a fuck? No, no, you're going to hear this. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fine to hear it. The, I'm just telling you. The, the consent, oh, the, the one thing that people really seem to be stumbling over, and, and I had to go back and listen to it a couple times. The one thing that people really seem to be wanting to hold you to task over is you saying repeatedly, and, and for people who missed last week's show, shame on you, honestly. Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. But Austin Matthews at the time had just finished 51 goals over the course of 50 games that he had played. And we had had the discussion, Rob was taking the stance. Not, in, that, not including the two games you suspended for. That's what I said, over the 50 yep. he had played. Yep. Yeah. And Rob had taken the stance that it's not a record or traditionally we have discussed 50 and 50, meaning the first 50. And you repeatedly in that discussion 
said, we're just going to choose these games. These are the ones that count. That's just arbitrary and that's whatever. And you're just going to cherry pick 50 games. And people seem to be of the position that that's what you were doing. If it only counts in the 50 games that you say counts as opposed to over a 50 game pace, right? Like there wasn't a lot of agreement that, yeah, we talk way more about 50 in the first 50, but you can't keep drilling down on arbitrarily choosing or cherry picking 50 games when you're the one insisting that it must be the 50 that you say. Yeah, that's, that's minutia. That's, that's semantics. You're talking about. The whole what, argument was semantics. <laughs> right. What we, what we have always agreed. And again, great achievement. Great achievement. I, I, I'm trying to, uh, it escapes me, the former Anaheim Duck, the former Dallas guy, the guy who lost his Ironman streak due to a suspension. Andrew Cogliano. So his, his Ironman Avalanche. streak should still be going. Well, he got suspended. Correct. Yeah. And players threw a fit on that one that his, you All can't I, suspend him yeah. because. Of, and, and again, whatever we want to, whatever we, where we want to draw the line is it's a great achievement. I'm not taking anything away from what Austin Matthews has done. Clearly. But that no one is allowed to call it 50 and 50 because it's not you can, the first. Y- you can call it. It just doesn't sit with the Richard, the Gretzky, the Bossy, the, the Neely. The other interesting point that we got, and I'm actually annoyed with myself that I didn't get that. Cause I asked a couple times while you were taking your stance, I said, why is one more impressive than the other? Why is it more impressive? And you said, show up on day one and get it done. And someone sent me like nine different articles over like 10 different years. And this, I can't, like I said, I'm annoyed that I didn't have it because it annoys the piss out of me every year. That about a month into every season, hey, scoring's up. Are we in a new era of the NHL? No, scoring is always up at the beginning the of season. the season. People are sorting out their goaltending. Defenses aren't in yet. And so the argument could be made. For at least the first 15 games. Okay. But if the if we're. We if, are still talking about a streak. The whole, that the 50 early in the season, in the first 50 games, the argument could be made that it's easier so we're going to or talk less about impressive. what Austin Matthews has done is really the deal. It should no. be 50 in the middle. No, 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 no. Hold games. on. Cause that's going to be my third point here in a second. But if you wanted to, in terms of impressiveness, in terms of difficulty, you could make an argument. It's easier to score earlier in the year than later in the year. Yeah. And, and let's be honest. I, I've said it a bunch of times. Great accomplishment, we know. It's Great accomplishment. The guy is, I expect the guy to score. Hasn't scored since we had the debate. Every night. Big and, slump. And he is just, <laughs> yeah, he's unbelievable. He's unbelievable what he's, what he's doing and, and the way he has his, his upward trajectory that he's continued to get better. Unbelievable. And, and it's, it's like anything else. The, the, you would agree with me, or maybe you wouldn't. That traditionally, if we can erase Austin Matthews from this conversation. Never. Yeah. <laughs> he is now the only reason for the conversation. <laughs> this is it. But your 50 and 50 is what? And, but, it, well, and it's trend, this is why I came to be transitioning out of Mike Bossy. He did 50 in his first 50. And I remember, I, I, we've talked about this before. My parents used to get me, and I loved them, right? I loved, but these 
VHS, like Legends of Hockey tapes yeah. or whatever, and I'd watch them. And Mike Bossy. With the stylized script in the front, legend. Yeah, but yeah. he does this weird like dance on the toes of his skate. Like he's running on the toes of his skates as part of his celebration. Like Gretzky with his 801 or Yeah, but like more pronounced. Like it almost seemed like Gretzky a decade later was almost copying okay. Bossy. But the thing that stands out to me is this, what would have been high-end technology in 1983 or whenever Bossy did it. It's just the video screen on the island alternating orange and black font, right? Black font on orange background, orange font on black ground or black background going back and forth. It's going 50 in 50. And you're like, holy shit. Like, look at that. In 1983, I'm sure it was a crazy <laughs> cool graphic, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Technologically speaking. So that, yeah, I understand that 50 and 50 is, is, uh, and this is where we kind of got stuck last week. I wasn't saying he'd set a record or belonged in any sort of, Whatever, but it just seemed like nitpicking to go, nope, not those 50. It's got to be the 50 that I say. And that seemed to be the same argument you were making was that I was. Yeah. Just mine is the more historically accepted 50 in the first 50. So the last thing on this that, that came up a couple times was, and this almost continued into the next week as, as it, the debate roared on, on super sane hockey Twitter, you Yep. And people like you, Rob, yeah, seem to be pretending that you were on the high road and you actually used the phrase, just another thing for Leaf fans to get horny about. And I like, pretending. I like to drop the word horny. I know, for sure. <laughs> and pretending that Leaf haters weren't falling all over themselves just as fast as Leaf fans were to say, nope, doesn't count while Leaf fans were saying greatest thing ever to say that there was no bias there. Our side is clearly untethered with leaf emotion and yeah. whatever. I'm going to tell you right now, you drop that in the middle of the show on, as an aside, right? Like you drop, I had no idea that it even happened or it was a thing. Right. So I didn't give a sweet fuck uh -huh. about it. Okay. So, so to me it was, as soon as I heard it, I'm like, Hey, what are you, what are you glossing over there? If you listen to it again, I had to go back and I'm like, is this a thing? Cause I had managed to miss it in its entirety. So not only was I not getting all excited and hot and bothered about it, I didn't even know that it was a thing. All right. So once again, just Leaf fans being crazy Leaf fans. 100%. Everyone, everyone else being completely level-headed towards a Leaf accomplishment yeah. in Austin Matthews. All those and, people yeah. kissing their sisters and doing whatever else is happening in a Leaf jersey. I don't know, man. It's very crazy. Uh-huh. All right. Well, we'll have to leave it there as Rob's impartial yeah. observation. Completely unbiased. Yes. And good uh, listener, uh, hey, feel free. Weigh in. Send it along. Disagree, oh man, if you will. It, it, I got more on that topic than anything in weeks. Like people just fired up over. Uh, you have the right to your own opinion. You have the right to be wrong. You're stealing my my bit now. You have the right to your shitty opinion. <laughs> I have the right to my good one. <laughs> yeah, okay, there you go. Uh, Leaves did play the Sens on Saturday night. If I'm being totally honest with you. I watched the first half of it on fast forward. I was actually taken in the, uh, the Raptors playoff game against the 76ers where really they got sure. absolutely tooled. Um, so that wasn't a whole lot of fun. 
And then, yeah, switched over, kind of watched the first half on, on fast forward and, um, it didn't seem like much that I needed to slow down for early on. Uh, Leafs end up taking it in overtime, but, uh, I don't know, interesting game, if nothing else, I guess. Timmy Stew does his thing again a little bit and, and puts another one up on the board. Marner gets another one and does the the uh, the Stutzla shuffle. Or no, the, uh, sorry, the Kachuk the Frank celebration. The yeah, kind of stuck that to him a little bit. Uh, speaking of being completely impartial, Sens fans didn't like that. Didn't like the... Uh, the Alfie throwing the stick over the glass, yeah. super, super cool. Uh, Marner doing the Kachuk. Not, yeah. not as good. Hey, did you see, actually, before we get into this, uh, video making its way around Instagram Sunday morning and onto Twitter. I know you wouldn't see it on Instagram. Josh Norris, Brady Kachuk at the heart and crown singing Mr. Brightside on the microphone. I did not. <laughs> Looked like they were having a good time Saturday night after... Uh, I'm not suggesting, I have no idea if they'd been into it or, or just enjoying that Nobody tune gets or, up on the mic without I, I having a couple so. under their helmets. But uh, they looked like they were having a good time. The crowd was enjoying their presence there. I'll send you the video and we'll post it on our social media feeds. But yeah, Brady and, and Josh up there giving her on, uh, on the killers. Well, the thing, and the thing with, with uh, the young group we have here, and every, every you know, Toronto has gone through this and... When you have a young group that's coming together or growing up together, whatever it is, you see these guys all over the place, Yeah, right? Together. Well, we talked before about the the pre-wedding selfie Brady did outside the lieutenant's pump. I mean, there's yeah. a guy ran out and said, hey, I'm getting married tomorrow. Like, will you come in and take a picture with, I, it must have been his fiance. Yeah, his fiance was. The woman was. he was with that night anyway. Yeah. Last night before yeah. he was getting married. <laughs> Actually, don't post this it's anybody. A, like. It's hard to digitally fold the photo right. in half, right? Um, but yeah, like uh, Kachuk, Shabbat, and uh, Sanderson showed up at Nick Holden's kids minor hockey game, right? Like, yes, yeah, yeah. Like these sorts of things and you sort of, you see them all over the place, right? And they're just young guys loving it, living it up. So no, sure. I, I haven't seen that, but it's... Um, the community is embracing them. Hugely. Seems to be, yeah. What do you think of the game? Uh, it was entertaining. Yeah. It was entertaining, and uh, I bought seats. I paid the inflated price. I, I didn't go. Oh. <laughs> um, I sent the thirteen-year-old in the house and and yep. her best friend, uh, who is a Leaf fan. Nice. Uh, so they were sitting together, loving it. Yep. So not only were the two seats that I had sort of split between the two fan bases. The entire arena was. Of course. Was split. And, and, you know, it makes for, if the game is competitive as a 5-4 overtime win yeah. would suggest, I'm not saying it necessarily <laughs> sure. was, uh, entertaining. There's lots of goals. It goes to overtime. Everybody feels like they got a chance to get into it and, mm-hmm. and, and be back and forth. And so it makes for a great barn here locally if the game is competitive. Yep. Would I like to see Ottawa win? Yes. Uh, the better team to me clearly won that game last night. Um, well, that was the main reason, to be honest with you, that I was fine to stay with the Raptors game, which started an hour early. I was fully expecting, and we'll talk more about this in a bit, but Leafs are playing a shitbird. This isn't going to be worth my <laughs> my time to yeah. watch, right? This is going to go poorly. And uh, when I did switch over and the Leafs were down by two, it appeared I was going to be correct. Uh, but... Yeah, Leafs battled back and Forsberg played really well. I think Leafs were right around 40 shots by the end of the night. Over 40, yep. Yeah. Um, Which usually means a Forsberg win. Yeah. 
for one of those guys who seems to do better under siege. So yeah, I don't Which know. Which is good when your always under when, siege. Your, when your defense core has Brandstrom in the top pair, and you got Delzato and Hamannick, and then you got yeah, Zaitsev. Really, whoever, it's only decent piece is not there. <laughs> whoever uh, Zub is good. I, yeah, I mean, all right, fair he's, enough. He's yes, keep yes. you know, but man, Zaitsev is a wow. Turn it up. Wow, it's just, it's unbelievable, man. That guy, that guy gets worse before my eyes. Like, it's just, it's like, it's like he's a made of paper in the rain. It's like, it's brutal. Um, so yeah, you're going to be under siege when you roll that and you're, you're putting Mete as your, essentially your 7th D or, or 12th forward. Either way, you are in for trouble. Yeah. So it, it's spelled high event. All over it. And even a two zip, you're like two zip auto after one. You're like, mm, that's not over. We could use maybe two more to feel any, <laughs> any kind of comfort. So it was one of those nights where Senators fans go, ah, it feels like, I'm not sure what's going to happen here, but it's not going to be easy. And, and I'm sure Lee fans are like, are we going to fuck this away? Right. Yes, we um, were like that. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's really both sides are kind of cringing and watching the game out of one eye. Yeah. Um, but in my opinion, the, uh, Marner doing the, the Frank, the tank is, is what we need. It's, you need shit that makes people go, fuck, fuck I that hate guy. that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause to me it was, there was lots of action. It was up and down the ice in a lot of periods, um, stretches, but yep. it, it lacks, it lacks a little of that. Oof. So our buddy Ian Mendez tweets out. Somewhere, I believe around midway through the game, somewhere in the second period, he goes, total playoff feel and vibe in the building tonight. And he got dunked on pretty hard by both sides saying, this is what 82 games of Senators hockey will make you think is a playoff game. Like things like I sort of get in the crowd. There yep. was absolutely an energy and that's on weird. the ice. There was not. I, right? can't, like, I can't speak to good friend of the show, Ian Mendez, in terms of what his intent was. But I think you are looking for a fired up crowd. Oh, and you got it on both sides. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you had that, you had that go, that go Steve's chant, go, go Orleans <laughs> chant. Yeah. Like it's a, it sort of becomes this mush yeah. of, of whatever it is. Or just it's, one trying to boo out. Well, it's clear to the run. Leaf fans firing up the go Leafs go yeah. chant. And then it sends fans trying to get in there. Yeah. It's how I traditionally see it, yeah. right? Yeah. A- and being at games between the Sens and Leafs live, yeah. it is usually the vocal Leaf uh, b- majority. Uh, <laughs> I think last night there was a good good chunk of blue, but I think it had a kind of a nice split to it. But to I me, that's so too. It's great to me to watch that in a competitive game. Yep. Uh, and hopefully there'll be more of those in the future. Right. As the senators continue to get better. Cause the Leafs are clearly the big brother and the better team and, and, and moving places and got things to, to achieve this year. But it's, it's, it makes for a great environment to watch hockey in when, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. Like I've been to a bunch of them too. Right. When it, when oh, you and I've seen a couple of duds though. Yeah, we but I've been there for a couple of games. Yeah, no, of course, last game of the regular season super, or something. Neither yeah. team were making the playoffs, I think. And yeah. You're like, Woo. But no, I've been in there for a few good ones and it, it's, it, it's a blast when both sides are into it and it's been a very long time. Like 
really all you can hope for is a good game because I don't remember the last time both teams were good. Maybe. Well, I was all I was going to say was maybe because I went to a game I know, I believe with my cousin in 2017. So the Leafs are just in that surprise year. It's Matthews, Marner, Nylander's first year and Ottawa's getting ready to go to the conference final. That might be the last time where they both seemed like they were playing for something, right? Like it's either, and really the only time, not just the last time, for a decade before that or more, the Leafs were trash and the Sens have been pretty bad ever since then. I'm sorry, what was the year when I went with you and like seven of your family members all wearing Leaf jerseys? I don't remember, but it was about a week before you picked up Dion. Okay. So you I think I maybe the year before. Way too many beers afterwards. Oh yeah, we hung around afterwards at the at uh, Saint Louis Bar and Grill. Yeah, putting away the Guinness. The tw- the twenty four ounce Guinness. Yeah, that was good stuff. Um, but yes, I'm there with seven Leaf fans, all jersey wearing and oh, five man. two, I believe the Sens six one, one, I think six that, one, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, it was a beer. I, I, but so it's it to me is. Yeah, I would like to have seen the the Senators win, but yeah. the, the right team won. Yeah. And so um but it's a good barn, it's a good atmosphere and and I want to see some shit that gets people fired up. You do the Frank the Tank. Yeah. Right? Stick you know it somewhere back to down the yeah, somewhere like, down the line that's going to bite him in the ass. Of course it is. But that's the best part of this. Yeah. Well, that's when I referenced the the Alfredson thing. Sundin chucks his stick over the glass. Alfie's next time into Toronto fakes like he's going to do the same. You motherfucker! Right? Like, Honestly, people were fired up of that. Of course, like, like nobody. And Sens fans loved it. And why wouldn't you? Right? Like uh, these are the, yeah. the sorts of things that it's you know those so solidify gonna, a rivalry. Yes, if you're not going to bring the the hate on the ice, it still exists in the fan base. Yeah, yeah, for and, sure. And you you need to have something like that that fires it up. Yeah, which. To me, game aside, let's talk about the moment of silence. I didn't see that. I obviously fast forwarded through a moment of silence. But you've seen it on Twitter. You've heard about it on Twitter. Yes. No? No. What's the problem? So. uh, Moment of silence is normally the first couple minutes. Yep. And the ACC before the Platinum Lounge empties back. (laughs) Right. So the moment of silence in this case was for Mike Bossy and for Lance Galbraith. Okay. Right. So Lance Galbraith, you as a, as a dirty generals fan. It's in Ottawa 67. Yeah. 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 But, uh, you know, he was a, an overage, I think he played five years as a 67, right? He was a gritty guy, hateable in every other arena in the OHL. He passed away, um, I don't know, Friday or Saturday in a car accident. So a young man, like to me, young man in his, your age probably. Right. It's not that young. Uh, too young to die. Too young to die. Yeah. Um, and so they were having a moment of silence and, and it's now just a moment of silence because you can't go with a minute. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's really normally what, uh, eight to 10 seconds. Sure. So as they, as they, the, the, the silence goes, you got some leather lung go with his go leaves <laughs> right in the middle of the moment of silence. Always. Yeah, well, and I'm saying it's probably the third time anecdotally over the, you know, the 30 years that it's been a Leaf Senators game where there's been one of these where a Leaf fan yells out in the moment of silence and you're like, are you fucking kidding me, man? Like, so you haven't seen this anywhere. No. 
Okay. I've barely been on Twitter here the last several okay. days. I've... So, of course, it's blowing up with all the outrage. Classless Leaf fans. Yeah. yeah. And then Leaf fans saying, you know, hey, man, we are the largest fan base in the NHL. We're not all to be judged by one douche. Yeah. So, and, and I totally agree with that. Yep. It does not make every Leaf fan a classless idiot, but it certainly only happens with the Leaf fans. I don't remember the last sporting event I've ever watched where there's been a moment of silence where someone hasn't yelled something and they're always an asshole. And, and, and really. Anecdotally speaking, is it more often a Leaf fan here in Ottawa? Uh, sure. Maybe. Yeah. And, no and, idea, and, but, but that's all there is to it is, is there is, you're right. There is all Leaf fans. It's like when you are, and what do you do in that situation? I, I've been at a game where somebody's yelled something. Yeah. Now you turn around or someone goes, Hey, shut the fuck up. Well, okay, and, now and you're that's just actually what, what yeah. you, you could hear somebody got yeah. multiple people sort of going, shut the fuck up. Yeah. Well, now you're just as. Uh, hey, for sure. <laughs> you've been sucked into it. And yep. so, but you could also hear the sort of the audible. <gasps> right. Right. And people are like, man, you are, you are a classless douche. Yeah. So, all right. I'm, no, I'm totally surprised. Uh, what do you think? I had this debate. It might've been, I think it was January 1st. The Leafs, no, the Leafs yep, hosted January Ottawa. January 1st, that was Toronto, Ottawa. It was the last time, anyway, the Leafs were in Ottawa. It was probably the first week of the year. I had this debate six with somebody nothing, online. Six one. And it was, which Leaf fans are actually the problem? Because Sens fans, in my timeline, were going off on Toronto fans roll up here. Um, or Sens fans in Ottawa only get, or Leaf fans in Ottawa, fuck, only get you know, once or twice a year to really get stupid drunk and go out and cheer for their team. They ruin it for everything or for everybody. And my take, to be honest with you, man, as someone who's done both and been drunk both times, I truly believe it's the Leaf fans who come from out of town for their party weekend. I This was something we scheduled. It used to be cheaper too, right? To come up here way cheaper than going to a game in Toronto. Right. Ottawa obviously caught on to that, put Toronto in its whole own price bracket and, yep. and fair enough. Gold standard. Um, I believe, honestly, man, if you live here in town and you're a Leaf fan, you go, you wear your jersey, you cheer, you probably still have a couple pints, but there's a reasonable chance you run into a co-worker or your kid's teacher or your boss. I don't think Leaf fans here in town are the huge offenders in the things that make some of those games, you know, that can be kind of rough or... Yep. Violence overstating, if you know what I'm saying, yeah, in terms yeah. of a bad vibe. I think it's the people who go, you know, maybe they live in Kingston or Belleville or whatever, even in Toronto, just come up because it's a, a weekend away with the boys. Maybe it's part of your bachelor party or maybe it's whatever. Yep. And now it's truly a weekend away and there ain't nobody here you know. You, right. I, Everybody's I think, a douchebag. I think, I honestly think the ones who are problematic at the game are p- much less likely to live here. I, I agree with you 100%. Um, uh, and like I said, I've, I've been to three, at least three and, and never had a problem, never really, uh, you and I've gone, you and your family and, yeah. I, and I have gone and, and it's been fun. It's been good natured. It's been all those things. And, and I don't mind that. Yeah. Like to me, that is. It's cause you keep winning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, was, I, I was saying, as I bought the tickets, I've never seen Ottawa lose to Toronto in Ottawa. Right. 
Um, and so I was, I was, well, you should have gone last I, well, I was saying, you know what? I bought these tickets, so, uh, I'm sure they're going to be, right. I'm sure you're going to be gold. Um, but it, to me, it, it totally makes sense what you're saying, right? I, I was at the Florida game two weeks ago and, and there's a guy in the same, in the same row I'm in and he's wearing a Matthews Jersey. <laughs> Love that guy. Okay. He's I, a, he's a guy at a Florida, Ottawa game. Yep. Wearing a Matthews yep. jersey, like you don't see that shit. You know what? I, you know what? I saw that night. I saw a guy wearing a Hartford Whalers jersey. See, that's okay. Yeah, I saw another guy wearing a Minnesota North Stars jersey. Yeah, that's all right. So, but it's the Leaf fan, and he's and now he was he was saying, you know, if my team was here, we'd be winning much more than this or whatever, <laughs> right? Like, and you sort of go. You're a fucking troll. Yep. And, and that's fine. Yep. I'm at, I'm at a couple of pre-pandemic, I'm at the Bell Center for an Ottawa-Montreal game. And if you've been to the Bell Center, there's this, the escalators to get up to the fucking nosebleeds. Yep. And there's a guy on the escalator in front of me who's wearing a Leaf jersey <laughs> and his name is on the back. Like, and it's, na- it's a name like Castacuits, or it's it's like a name that you've never heard. Right. So it, it's this douchebag. Leaf oh, it fan. wasn't Cascaswol. <laughs> no, no. But the he's, only one of those ever yeah, sold. Well, and, it's and his, honestly, dad. His, na- his name was like Bugga Bugga Bugaloo or something. All right. And, but it was like, and you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you might as well have number sixty nine on the back of that because you're a jerk off. <laughs> so, uh, friend of the show, and I should mention here, actually, I didn't off the top. Uh, Rob's out of town next week. Got some business to take care of, but uh, our buddy Chris Hoffley is going to sit in Hoff! and uh, and uh, and take care of things. I hope he seat. swears less than I do. That'll be interesting. Someone <laughs> else will count. It won't be me. Uh, but um, he had been engaged with a few different Sens fans last year on this topic on Twitter that Leaf fans always show up at Sens versus whatever in their stupid Leaf jerseys and blah blah blah. And so, fair enough. Like, that does happen. I, I'm not a, a, not suggesting it doesn't. Last year, in the playoffs, the Leafs are playing the Habs, and the Habs get to open up first. Remember, the 2,500 fans. The tickets are impossible to get. And when that happens, there's some asshole in his <laughs> senator's jersey <laughs> sitting in the... And I idiot s- equal, equal. I idiot. get it, but I sent the tweet over with the picture in it over to Hoff, and I'm like... Anything at all? He goes, nope, nothing. (laughs) What am I going to say right now? (laughs) Idiot. That's what you say. He, whatever, spent the money. It would have, I can only imagine only 2,500 seats available in Montreal to play the Leafs in a playoff game. I can only imagine what that cost. There he is in his Sens jersey. And I got to tell you, (laughs) and and I go back a hundred years with this shit. I'm at the forum in maybe 80 or 81, my first ever NHL game. It's Detroit. There to see my uncle play. Yeah. Detroit, Montreal at the forum. And again, up in the nosebleeds in the forum. And I didn't really give a damn. I'm like, whatever. What the, like, sure. Let's carry on with this. I'm (laughs) I'm probably eight or nine. Um, and from, from about three or four rows behind me, which may have been all that there was, (laughs) I hear somebody go, go yes <laughs> and i'm like okay and at the time i'm like that guy 
that guy doesn't even know that Toronto's not playing, right? Like in my head, <laughs> he's I'm in the like, wrong building. <laughs> I don't get it. Like that guy, that guy's super confused. But what he's, I'm the seeing, lesson you're supposed to learn is he's super cool. Of course, he's the <laughs> smartest guy in the rank. Of course. Um, so actually, I've been to three games in Montreal, and uh, there's always been a douchebag Leaf fan. The guy in the Matthews jersey, yeah, I kind of get it. He's wearing that jersey. For a reason, right? You're there going, ah, I got tickets tonight. I'm whatever. You're at a protest. And I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> hey, I'm a Leaf fan and, you know, fuck the rest of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I get it. I get it. You know, you're in an, in an environment that it's not like you're in Philly. Yeah. Or in Boston. Yeah. Or at the gardens. Madison, you know, Madison, Madison Square. Sure. Um, and you're in the 100s. Right. Psh, great place to be. But Ottawa is the safest place. It's got to be the safest place you could ever be in an in an opponent's jersey. But I like I I, I kind of get it. I I don't hate the guy. No, in no. Any but 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 all I'm just gonna say is, I've been to multiple Sens versus Flames, Sens versus Jets. Whatever. I'm not taking my Leaf jersey. I'm not that. At the same time, true. I get it. If I, you're a troll and want to do it, I'm kind of like, cool, man. Like roll on. Whatever you want to do here is also play on, play on. Yeah, like that's also fine. I also. Every time I go, if the Leafs are here in town, I do wear my Leaf jersey. Of course, man. Right? And so you should. Yeah. So it is, it's just kind of a, I don't, it doesn't bug me a whole lot either way. I used to go to a bunch of Leaf games when I was living down there. There was always, you know, Canucks jerseys was for some reason one of the chief offenders, whether the Canucks were there or yeah. not. Well, you don't saw a lot wear of your Sadine. jersey if they're not playing. <laughs> and, and I get it, man. If my team's in town. Yeah. Represent for sure. Yeah. Do that thing. But I can't be bothered if they're not. It's just going to be a hassle all night, like <laughs> listening to people. Hey. And I deserve it. I like, hey, yeah. loser. <laughs> right. So. You look like dildo with mustache clipping stuck to you. That kind of thing. <laughs> Came to you weirdly. I think I know what the guy in the Matthews jersey heard the other night when Rob was. Uh, yeah. Well, that was in between me shouting at Bobrovsky. You know, right. Only 12 rows in front of me. <laughs> Thanks for the burger, goalie Bob, with the three goals. Love it. <laughs> so before we move on too far out of this then, I guess, I, there was a thing from, I don't know, it's like a week and a half ago now that didn't get a ton of play. It was on Overdrive uh, on TSN Radio in Toronto. And Bob McKenzie was on, and uh, we'll drop his audio in here. Even though I'm the outsider, I, I did hear a little something recently where when the Leafs were losing games to teams that they thought they should have been beating, that their fans certainly thought they should have been beating and the media thought they should have been beating that management got a little bit up in, the, in some of the core players grill about these losses to, to teams that aren't that great and if we want to be a great team how are we not going to be able to beat these these, these, these also rands or these lesser teams and my understanding is that when management kind of got in their grill that the core players of the Leafs pushed back hard and got back in management's grill and said Said, you know what? Don't don't worry about it. When when we have to, when we and, and I'm talking regular season. So let, let's make this perfectly clear. Mm-hmm. The, the, the the framework I'm talking here is regular season hockey. Um, the the pushback was, listen, when when we have to play Boston or Tampa or Florida or Carolina or any of those good teams, um, we'll t- we'll take care of business. Just leave it with us. And and the sense being that these guys have learned a lot from from the disaster of last year, the, the Boston collapse of previous years and, and what have you. And, and, and what I would say to that is, well, they, you know, they beat Carolina. You know, they beat Tampa. They beat Boston a couple of times. 
they had the crazy game with Florida the other night, and you know, and they were life and death to, against the Philadelphia Flyers and what have you. But but they've done a really good job, especially in the last three four weeks, of playing the the teams they need to beat or show that they can beat. Um, now it's regular season hockey, and I'm not suggesting that those victories in the regular season will guarantee that they've figured it out to the point where they're going to beat those teams in the playoffs. But you know what? You've got to give them, got to give them that opportunity. And, and you can't say the regular season doesn't mean anything because if the Leafs were playing like, you know, dog, you know what? Yep. Everybody would be all over them. So they're, they're, they're playing well and beating some of the really good teams. They're doing it at a time when, when, when they're missing players. But just suggesting there that essentially – Management kind of went to the Leafs, and, and I kind of alluded to it a few minutes ago and saying I wasn't that nervous about missing the Leafs-Sens game because I sort of assumed they would drop the ball. Um, and he's sort of saying that management went to them there and said that they were concerned about the number of points that they had given up against the shitbirds. And That's us. I guess, well, they'd been losing to the Habs and the Coyotes yep. and the Sabres. And Three times in a row to the Sabres, am I right with that? I think that's correct. Yeah. I know the Sabres took the season series. Yep. Um, so whether they were consecutive or not, I can't remember, but certainly lately anyway, playing pretty well against the good teams, playing pretty poorly against the bad teams. And so management goes to them and says, we're concerned about this. And Bob sort of makes it sound there, like got some pushback from the core guys that's saying- That's actually what he said. Yeah. That don't worry about it. When it's time to go, we'll go. And- the evidence in the last couple of weeks would suggest, hey, that's legit. The evidence over the last couple of years would suggest, you don't get to fucking say that ever. You haven't done anything yet. What did you how take away you, from how this? How dare you, Matt? Well, you, did I take that away from you? You fucking stole my thunder. <laughs> well, that was my first reaction to it too, was who the fuck are you to say that? Yeah. Now, Bob does say in the clip, this is strictly regular season. Yes. And and if and you, Matt, as a good gauge <laughs> of the of the Leaf fan base, do you give a flying fuck what the regular season looks I like? I believe I've made my position clear on that. Yes. Yeah. So Until no, game one. no Leaf fan should really now I do you want to see him roll it up a hundred points and, right, of and, course. and home ice advantage? Yeah. Of course. Of course you do. You're only human too as you're watching these games. Of course you're invested. But big picture, you go Yeah. I Call me on May first or whatever it is. April rolls yeah. around, yeah. And so you, so I'm absolutely one hundred percent. Leafs, the Leaf core does not get to say, no. Hey, don't worry. When it's we crunch got time, this. When it's crunch time, baby. <laughs> that's when I'm at my best, right? Because that is absolutely you not cite the, case. the case at all, right? That says this will be fine when it counts. Uh, it's interesting, man. I, I'm honestly surprised this didn't get more play and uh, because anything Bob says, maybe, I guess he's officially man and as the outsider, the outsider now. Um, I just, I don't think you get to, to have that. I, I do think they understand as much as we do that it doesn't matter until the playoffs, but Keith did say in one of his press conferences, it might've been after the most recent Buffalo game because these games are the reason you're not battling for the president's trophy. Like these games are the reasons you're not right there with Florida. And as we sit here and record tonight, uh, they're playing the Islanders uh, later tonight. So we don't know how that's going to go. But as we sit here right now, 
Um, they have passed Carolina for second in the conference, but there's no shot they're catching Florida. I think they're eight back or something like that. But you could be right there if you would just beat Buffalo a couple times or Montreal or whatever. And people have gone through since uh, You've this. lost to Ottawa. Twice. I believe this was a, or no, Ottawa was looking for a split in the season series yeah, last night. No. So, but uh, lost three out of four to Buffalo. Um, have given up a couple to Montreal. I've given up, like, I've been through it, right? Like to Arizona. Arizona. Yep. So it hasn't been good enough, but they have recently, like they went through that stretch of, of Florida, Boston, Tampa, Florida, Carolina. Dallas, Winnipeg or whatever it was and took 11 of 12 points. You're like, it's pretty fucking good. Leafs are nine, one and one in their last 11 games. Yeah. It just never feels like it around the Leaf fan base. Why does it not feel like that? I just meant around the fan base. They always feel like there's something that could be better, something that's... Because you have that built in, we're going to get BF'd come the end of the season. (laughs) Am I right with that? Well, there is a little bit of whatever, call me in May and we'll see, right? Like, Call me maybe. Right, but it just sort of seems to me like... They have, as far as the regular season goes, sort of backed that up. But Keith is right that maybe you would be in first. Now, it doesn't matter. You're still going to would have gotten Boston or whatever, right, in the first round, whatever, because Boston and Tampa are back and forth into that third and fourth spot. Yeah. But his point is well made that if you weren't shitting these games away that you against lesser opponents, you would be in a better spot right now and moving forward through the playoffs and I don't know, man. This core just to me, like, I want to be careful. Everybody heard it there. Bob's not out there saying like there was this huge uproar and explosion between the two. But yeah, for those guys to kind of shrug off management, go, yeah, we're fine. Oof. So tell me. Haven't earned that. Yeah. Tell me something here then. Um, Love Bob. Bob is the guy. Now Bob's an outsider. Uh, But Bob still does regional leaf broadcasts. Um, all these insiders, we talked about, um, you and I talked about, you know, post media guy <laughs> off the air. Yes. Um, we, everybody has a sort of a goal or an inside knowledge or a line to somebody who's putting yeah. out a line. Who's and, your source? Who's your contact? This is it. And, and does any part of you think that Bob as... He's a Whitby guy and he's a, you know, <laughs> Brooklyn Redmond guy and a, hmm. let's go Eugenie's boot. Mm, yes. Uh, you know, nice. and, and, and you're sort of in that vein, um, probably a Leaf fan that, yeah, he's, he's sort of putting this out on, on behest of the Leaf brass and Shanny. Saying we have on oh, a Shanny, another another. I think That's what he's I mean, a, lacrosse guy. I think and, he's a lacrosse guy. I think he's yeah, another. He uh, he's a beaches guy. Um, Mimico, I believe. Yeah. So. Yep. And so you sort of go, um, this, uh, the, the core is pushing back. The core is not taking any of this. They are showing that they are ready to go. Oh, I thought you were pushing this in the other direction. No. Laying down a little bit of like management protecting itself saying we tried to get their attention no, back. No, that this is all about the core saying, Hey man, we got this. We're, don't worry about us. This is a new era Leafs. We're good to go. Uncle John, speaking of the lacrosse world, might have been the conduit. Uh, you know what? It's true, man. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of it. Bob, yeah, of course. But, but Bob, to me, 
like, I don't think he's that guy. Like, I don't uh, think he's taken and running with shit unless he believes it's legit and that it happened. Um, okay. To, I, I did ask. Yeah. I, I just, I don't think so. I, that's just my opinion. I don't know. But I, it, Bob just doesn't seem like a guy who's out there to stir the shit or carry anybody's water or. Let's go, you leaves. Boo. Yeah, maybe. But boo. I don't, I've never really gotten that sense boo. from him. And yes. As opposed to the boo. Yes, I gotcha. <laughs> um, I was but trying to giving, gloss you over. You weren't no, giving me any love I know. There. I was trying to gloss right over it, man. Yeah, but you, were, you had to keep throwing it Skate. back until I acknowledged Skate. it. Yeah, that's what I do here, man. <laughs> Hear me, goddammit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just interesting to, to hear it, to me, it was more, if anything, I took it as a negative about the core. Oh, see, uh, yeah. I like took there, it- to the, for them to shrug off. So, like you got to earn that. Like if, if somebody went to Bergeron and Marchand and McAvoy or whatever and said that, or I, I, I don't even know around the league who else maybe would be on that level. Kane Caves. Yeah, at some point right now, I think you could probably say to them, you need to get your shit together. Hey, we need you to ride a camel and prop up this car dealership. Right. That? Yes. I think Bergeron and Marshan and whatever can say, fuck, it's an eight game slide. Get the hell out of here. We'll figure it out when it's time. And you go, yeah, you know what? You probably will. And they get to do that. This Leafs core hasn't earned that yet. And yeah. so and, I don't know how for- big of a deal to make of it, but I don't think... It's nothing, and I don't think those this group has yet earned that. Well, and to me, it's it's super interesting. And for those of you who have heard the clip, yeah. I'd be interested in your own take because my take on it was more of a sell job on the core. Hmm. Like the core is pushing back saying, hey, we got this. we are the new and improved. This is going to happen. Yeah, and he does allude to that a little bit, right? That there's a confidence in, a, in this group that, that's different this year, and that's been around... We don't know. Like, we'll see. And we will indeed see. There's not going to be, we've talked about it a dozen times before. You had to do it last year, right? You had to make some noise last year. That was the easiest that path was ever going to be. And uh, I don't know. I, I keep saying if you're going to so force me to, to pick one, I'd rather face Boston. But Tampa seems to be struggling down the stretch again. But that of all the team, like the Leafs haven't earned it yet. The Bruins are a whole new group turned over and the Panthers haven't earned it yet. The the Lightning seem to me like the team most likely to be able to flip the switch. Right. If you were talking about flipping a switch, which everybody talks about yeah. and how virtually impossible it is to yeah. actually flip, flip the switch. Tampa's um, the one who could. Right. And we have time for that and we'll break that series yeah, down because that does seem to be, it's one of those two. Yeah. But I am... I I think there is a there is a certain something with if you got to face Tampa now may be the best time to do it. Just do it, and we can break that down. But yep. if I'm a Leaf fan, that may not scare me as right. much as much as it has in the past, or right. as much as it had maybe earlier this season. No, and you're right. We can get into that yep, uh, later sure. on, but. Uh, yeah, Vasilevsky versus yeah, whatever no, we're we going to do. We can break do it down is, uh, by, by department and we yeah, will. Yeah. And we will. And we will do it giddily, probably. One of us more than the other, for sure. Uh, let's talk quickly, because I don't know if there's a ton here, but I did find it interesting that uh, Hockey Canada has agreed to host the 2023 World Juniors. That is uh, the one coming up this Christmas. Uh, it was to be in Russia. That- Russia! That uh, they are otherwise occupied and uh, will not be hosting and the World Juniors. And yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on there. 
that a uh, lot of reasons. Fishing out battleships out of the. You know. Yeah, a lot of reasons not to send your teenagers uh, to, uh, <laughs> yeah, for to sure. Russia. So Canada is going to do it. And uh, Hockey Canada has put out a request for bids. And uh, Merrick and Friedman reported on the 32 Thoughts segment that they believe there are upwards of six. Uh, those included Regina slash Saskatoon as one, Kitchener slash London as another, Ottawa, but it would be Sens and 67s as a joint bid. Also Halifax and Moncton as one joint bid. I think those were the only ones that they named. They were. Uh, but that there may be two more. Um, Vancouver, Victoria. It wouldn't shock me, right? Like if you could see something like that. The thing that I like about some of these ones that you're hearing, aside from the Ottawa one, which Ottawa did it in 09 and did a great job and we can kind of delve into that as well, but you're seeing more traditional markets. It's not Toronto, Montreal. It's not Calgary, Edmonton. You're seeing junior hockey markets like Saskatoon and Regina, like London and, and Kitchener, uh, and certainly Halifax and Moncton, uh, the 67s as well. No slouches in terms of the Quebec junior City hockey. and Trois-Rivières was the other one. Okay. Uh, so again, junior hockey hotbeds. And so uh, I wonder, obviously selfishly, or maybe you don't care if you weren't planning to go, I, I don't know. Ottawa did a great job in 09. They put all the Canada games out at the Canadian Tire Center, 20,000 seat building, full for every Canada game. That's the Eberly year. Everyone remembers it fondly. But they, they have, live, baby. They have the uh, 10,000 seat arena downtown uh, where the 67s play, and you can play the other division games there. And we've talked about this before, how lame it is to have Canada go play the round robin in one and then come to the yep. other one for the other. That sucks. In Ottawa, you wouldn't have to do that. Canada would stay in the big building in the same town. I don't know what the split would look like in these other ones. They didn't get into that much detail. I have to assume like Canada would stay in Halifax and all the big games yeah. would be in Halifax. So I assume I, it would be the same in London slash Kitchener, Kitchener. although Kitchener's a creep. But, but I just, I'm kind of, I'm but impressed. London is, London is a 10,000 seat yes, building, it's a big whereas building. Kitchener is half. Yep. Yeah, the odd, it's still, uh, it's a great place to see a game, but it's not anywhere near as uh, as big and whatever. But again, only an hour apart kind of thing. And, and so I, I just wonder what your take is, because to me, I, I, I'm happy to see, I don't know what would happen if it was coming here to Ottawa. Like I, I would be interested. I would look into it, all those sorts of things. But regardless, I'm happy to see that this is looking like it will be a traditional junior hockey style bid. Yeah, so I went to five games, probably in 09. Um, I would buy tickets if it was here. The, and I was worth noting that the uh, TD place where the 67s play has been renoed yeah. since then. And so it's gone from a 10,000, 10, 10, down to a 6,500, I believe. They put in more luxury suites, more TV yes. bays, more... So it doesn't hold quite as much, which is better for your Finland, Sweden, Czech Republic. Yeah, that aren't going to sell 15,000 tickets. Right. And it looks way better when you have 2,500 people in a 6,500 seat arena than when I went to see Canada and Kazakhstan and, (laughs) and they crushed it. But I I was also at the 03 world, uh, world juniors in Halifax. And I've said it before here a million times where I saw 23 games in eight days or whatever it was. And um, 
yeah, there's 500 of us to see Czech Republic versus Germany. Right. Uh, in the morning, right? But it's great to drink a moose head at <laughs> 11, 11 a.m. and yeah. show to teenagers. <laughs> um, but I would buy tickets here in Ottawa. But it's interesting to me, the one thing, the one and only interesting thing that American Friedman said in the 32 Thoughts was it wasn't going to be money-based. Right. Right? That they were talking about sort of moving it to smaller venues. And you can do that after going Ottawa, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, Montreal, Toronto. Buffalo, which was Toronto. Yeah, back to Vancouver again. <laughs> yes. And then this- Calgary, th- Edmonton. And then this three-year run, this three-year pandemic run in, in the summertime of this now again in, yeah. in Edmonton. You can afford to cut, you can afford to sort of say, yeah, I want to put it back in, in these smaller venues. And so for me personally, I would buy tickets. What a great, what a great spectacle I saw in 09. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it was to go to sort of Moncton, Halifax, because Halifax is again, 10-5. I, I don't know what the new arena, I was at the old uh, Metro Center. I think it's about 10 or 11. So, or, or if you went to, to me, Kitchener, London. Yeah. For you to put it back into actual, they're looking for full barns. Yep. Um, great TV spectacles. Cause, cause you gotta know if, if Kitchener is that second, uh, Kitchener or Trois-Rivières or Saskatoon, whatever it is, mm-hmm. Moncton, you're going to get full barns yep. for world-class junior hockey. And so I love that. It, it, to me, it's the same as, as your Mem Cup. Right. To put it in junior hockey markets. And it's funny, I was just thinking earlier of Chris Stevenson and, and, and he and I having this argument 30 years ago about him saying, there should, the, the Memorial Cup has grown too large to be in a backwater like Peterborough. <laughs> and, and it's, yeah, and it's fine, but Peterborough is a junior hockey market. Yep. Um, Kitchener, junior hockey market. For sure. Trois, you know, the... These places that, that live and breathe with that, that's yeah, Red Deer, Kelowna, Kamloops. Like, yes. These are the Brandon. Yeah. These are places that live and, and die with their junior hockey programs. Yeah. So if you could see that, uh, while I would buy tickets to Ottawa, yeah. I would fully support it going to one of the other bids yeah. that provide lesser money, but people who are going to buy that up like it's crack. Yeah. And support it wholeheartedly. To me, I think it's, you know, the, the London Kitchener people had their, look, I got no beef with them getting it if they do, but if they wanted to, they went to Buffalo and they went to Toronto. Yeah. Saskatoon and Regina had it in, in 2010. Again, no beef if that's where it goes. John Carlson. To me, I want to see either Quebec City and Trois-Rivières or Halifax and, uh, and Moncton, cause it, well, has, it was and, out there in 03. If it's not going to be here. Right. Obviously. And they killed it in 03. Yeah. Like that barn to me for every Canada game, the 50, 50 in those th- were, it was like Alberta esque. Right. In terms of where the 50, 50 was, they bought into it. Um, and so it's a, it's a great junior hockey market. The right. Mooseheads have done killer work out there. So, uh, I'm with you. It, to me, there's, there's, those are the ones that. 
I would like to see it go to. Yeah. Anything else today? Um, just a brief, I've, I've queued to something hmm. at that Oh three world junior, there was a pile of, you know, maritime music and blah, blah, blah. Watching the Ottawa Toronto game last night, and you would have been watching it in live time. Maybe there's five minutes left in the third period. They played Heave Away. Yeah. Our, our, our old victory song. This is, and I'm like, what I, the fuck is happening here, man? That is the old Leaf game winning song. Yep. Loved it, man. Who, I noticed. Who is playing that? <laughs> Am I wrong? Yeah, from over here. <laughs> okay, but because in, at the Halifax World Juniors, that would oh, I'm play. I'm sure it was a banger. <laughs> every game, right? Like that would be, and the crowd would go wild, right? There'd be stamping and clapping. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like, hey, man. That's the Leafs I've wind never song. heard that song <laughs> <No>. <laughs> in this arena, and maybe I'm wrong. I slipped a 50 to Sens DJ there. and uh, <laughs> What are you doing, man? I heard that and I like it. Yeah. I love the song. Yeah. But I understand. It's not like when the, when the center, like last year, late in the season, Ottawa beat Toronto and they played the Hall and Oates. Sure. It's a troll job. It's a troll job. Yeah. But this is a, this is no, this is coming out of a break or yeah. whatever. And you're like. No, I noticed it too. Yeah. What are you doing, man? Thought that was awesome. The fables. Heave away. That's that's all I got, man. But I was like, I like the song. I do. It's it's a great, but come on, man. I think we'll let the fables heave away take us out of here today. That's Talk and Audio number 957. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Talk and Audio. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening right now. For Rob, my name's Matt. We'll see you later. See ya. Come get your duds in order, because we're bound across the water. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. Come get your duds in order, cause we're bound to leave tomorrow. Heave away, me jolly boys, we're all bound away. I wrote me love a letter, I was on the Jenny Lynn. Heave away, me jollies, heave away. I wrote me love a letter, and I signed it with a ring. Heave away, me jolly boys, we're all bound away. Sometimes they're bound for Liverpool, sometimes they're bound for Spain. Heave away. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TalkanAudio.com or by searching Talkan Audio on your favorite podcast app. Me, heave away. I mean, jolly boys, we're all.